0: Hey, everyone, this is the Everyday Leader podcast, where we hear from inspiring individuals building and leading teams across Africa. Today, I speak with Maggie Mushira from Kenya. Maggie is the partner for Global Search at Shortlist, a recruitment platform. In this episode, Maggie and I spoke about her first manager role at a bank, how she recruits for and screens senior leaders in her current role, and how she goes about managing her own team at Shortlist. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, Maggie. Welcome to the Everyday Leader podcast. Really excited to speak with you today.
1: Hi, Chris. Excited to be here. Thank you for having me.
0: Absolutely. So you currently serve uh, as a partner at Shortlist, which is a recruitment uh, technology company that I know well. Uh, So excited to unpack that a bit uh, later in our conversation. But first, I wanted just to start off by having you share a little bit about your early leadership experiences and how that has shaped your career so far.
1: Great. Happy to. Um, So my leadership journey started way back in 2009, which is, well, 13 years ago. Um, I, I started my leadership journey in the bank. So um, I joined Stanbic Bank when I finished uni. Um, that was in 2007 worked in a number of different departments because I did join as a management trainee. And then in 2009, um, I actually applied for a different role. It was uh, a non-leadership role, an individual contributor role within the home loans department. Um, it was a liaison officer role. And when I went for the interviews, um, the hiring manager then, Caroline Lynch, um, decided that I was better suited for a leadership role, which was team leader within the customer service function. Um, So I had worked in the customer service function previously. So a lot of my peers who were older than me, um, in my mind, I think this was a little bit of imposter syndrome on my part. Um, a lot of my peers had been in the organization longer. They had a better technical understanding of the mortgages department. So it never crossed my mind that I could elevate myself into a leadership position. Hence, I didn't apply for that. Um, but Carol who I think is one of my earliest and most treasured mentors believed in me and said um you should you should be looking at the team leader title um, so in 2009 i took on that role i was 26 years old um, i had a team of five people most of them more experienced and older than me um, so that was my first leadership challenge and uh it it i i, I faced it head on um, and I think that really built a lot of the founding blocks of who I am today.
0: Fascinating, this idea of being almost a reluctant leader and not realizing that you could be the one stepping up as a team leader and it, it taking someone else to kind of approach you and suggest it and encourage you. Um, that, that sounds like it was quite a helpful uh, nudge from someone. Um, I'm curious if you could maybe share a bit more about Uh, that transition where you maybe weren't aware that that could be something you could uh, go for, especially so early in your career. And then like, how did you accept that and and finally own it and step up into it? Because if someone pulls you into a position that you're not yet comfortable or ready, yes, you might face some imposter syndrome, but you need to eventually get over that imposter syndrome and actually deliver and perform and be there as a leader for your team. So tell us a little bit more about that um, transition Early on,
1: um, Yes, absolutely. I think for me, I, if I go back to, and I, they say everything is linked back to your childhood. So if I go back to my childhood, I, I w- I am a last born in a family of five. So in that context, I never really needed to assume any kind of leadership responsibilities. But outside of the home environment, I found myself consistently in leadership positions. So I was a prefect in primary school, I was a prefect in high school. Um, I led a number of clubs when I was in university. Um, So there's a little bit of duality there in my one area of my life, never needing to be a leader, but almost um, in other areas of my life, thrusting myself into leadership roles now in the in the context of work, um, particularly at the bank where there was a need for real technical aptitude, especially in the mortgages department, I was in a space where I didn't think, that I was ready for a leadership role, and again, to to your point, um, I I was almost thrust into it by somebody else's evaluation of my capabilities and seeing that um, you are actually ready and you can take on this responsibility. How how did I change my mindset? I think it took it took a lot of um, a lot of discussion with, with my mentor at the time and the person who had identified me as suitable for the position. So I had a number of sessions and coaching sessions um, with, with, with Caroline, my manager at the time, where I would um, sort of just speak about what was holding me back, what, what made me think that I wasn't worthy of a leadership role at the time and the more you talk out your inner self-talk and you speak it out loud that the less sense it makes so Confronting your insecurities out loud and and hearing them phrased back to you. I think that for me was was huge. Um, Another thing that really helped me was, so rather than the team that I was working with at peer level um, being sort of um, jealous or opposed to my elevation as their leader, I was lucky enough to get a ton of support from them. So it made it a lot easier for me to transition into that position. Um, And then also just the the style and approach that I took towards the leadership role that I eventually um, took on was also really useful. So not coming in and, and, and sort of having a directive approach, assuming to know all the answers. Um, I I approached it a lot more collaboratively. I I came in wanting to learn from the team, um, and I took my role as a leader as one where my job was to remove obstacles and make it possible for competent people to do their work. And that really helped me and, and, and made it more possible for me to not only feel like a leader, but have my team trust me as their leader, regardless of the fact that um, I I didn't have as much um, clocked time as they did.
0: That's such a great point. And uh, I completely agree that in in my own experience and, and from what I've heard from others, when someone gets promoted and now you find yourself or this person managing other people that used to be considered peers, there's this concern maybe, uh, inside your head that they will be either jealous or not respect you in this new uh, leadership role. And it sounds like you didn't face that at all. And in part, that was due to you intentionally being collaborative. And I'm curious also to what degree your uh, collaborative style and your relationships with those peers before your promotion helped you achieve that smooth transition.
1: Oh, absolutely. 100%. That was so critical. Um, I I always even today, I always uh, speak to the fact that being able to quote, unquote, play well with others has multiple benefits. So um, the fact that even from a technical perspective, even if I hadn't clocked as much time as them, um, I always approached my work with a really strong work ethic. Um, I had fostered relationships that went beyond the nine to five. So I was able to be vulnerable with my team. And and in certain instances, even be able to say, okay, you know this better than I do. How can I get your guidance and support on this without feeling like I was making myself to be less than? Um, So those relationships and, and the kinds of engagements that I had with my peers prior to being promoted into a leadership role absolutely played a critical role in in making me successful um in that leadership experience
0: and so you spent uh, around four and a half years at standard bank group and earned several different promotions uh, into management roles Uh, but then you you took a a a leap over into the kind of recruitment and talent acquisition space and and have been there ever since Uh, and so you you had this firsthand experience of what it means to navigate Uh, through an organization and earn promotions and work your your way up. And and then you find yourself on this almost other side where you need to then identify who uh, are the right people to bring into an organization or into leadership roles. So I'd be uh, interested to hear uh, what motivated you to move into this different type of role and how did that initial four or five years uh, in an actual kind of management operator role Play into how you approached those early days as a as a lead consultant uh, for um, job search.
1: Um, that's a that's a great question, Chris. So uh, my my transition into recruitment was actually a real case of happenstance, not not planned happenstance, hundred percent happenstance. So in my capacity as manager for customer experience, I was leading a number of leadership. Uh, programs across Standard Bank and in doing that we were collaborating with an external firm which was Career Connections and um, I was sort of their point person within the bank so when they needed to organize the coaching sessions the, the, the training sessions on leadership training um, I would be their point person for that. And um, one of the directors of Career Connections actually just w- over a coffee one day, he asked me, um, would you would you be interested in becoming a recruitment consultant? And at the time I had never heard of recruitment. Well, I had never really even thought of recruitment as um, an industry that I would dive into. Um, I I basically thought that recruitment was an industry where you know you posted a job um, as as an organization or as an agency sifted through the relevant applications um, and interviewed a few people and then the finalist candidate was hired for the role I never looked at it as um, an executive search practice where so much more goes into eventually finding a suitable hire. So my discussion with the director was just getting a lot more perspective into what executive search actually is and how the skills that I was deploying as a manager and customer experience actually had a ton of alignment with what was required in executive search. So um, things like managing very senior stakeholders, um, selling opportunities to senior candidates who are good at what they are, happy at what they do, but how do you articulate a role in such a way that you get somebody like that to transition from one role to another? Um, Some of the work that I did was around resolving high-level queries at the bank, and a lot of the work in recruitment requires creative problem-solving when it comes to meeting specific client needs. When I had that coffee chat um, with with Zia Manji, one of the directors at Career Connections, I thought, hmm, this is actually something I could do. Um, And it came at a really opportune time because I was thinking about my career, and I'd reached that point where I felt like, Days were bleeding into each other. Um, I didn't really feel challenged in my my role. Um, And there was no immediate opportunities for progression within within the bank. And my assumption at the time was, I'll probably progress into a a more senior role within another bank, because that's just what people did. But then after having that discussion and hearing about the industry and seeing how my skill set could come to bear in a different industry, I I decided to take on the challenge and and, and move into a a non-leadership role to start with within executive search. Um, and that's that's a role I did for um, I think it was under a year before being promoted into again another team leadership role within the function. And that was I think as a factor of many things. One of them being um, the, the 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 speed at which I was able to master the technical elements of the role.
0: Well, it certainly sounds like you've really dived in and embraced uh, the the recruitment sector and have leveraged your past experiences uh, to uh really make an impact and for the past three and a half years now you've been with shortlist uh so tell us about what your current role is and and what shortlist uh does in terms of its differentiator uh in the recruitment market
1: great happy happy to um so i'll I'll start with shortlist and, and and shortlist was founded in 2016. I joined um, at the beginning of, towards the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, and initially um, Shortlist focused on entry and mid-level hiring. When, When I joined, one of my core mandates was to expand the executive search hiring function because a lot of our clients were it, it was actually uh, executive search for shortlist was bred out of demand from clients so a lot of our clients would come to us and say okay you, you've hired our entire direct sales force now we're looking for a sales director um and the the, the approach to hiring 50 sales agents is obviously a lot different to the approach you take to hiring a strategic leader within the sales function one of them can leverage technology to a higher extent while the other requires a little bit more human touch white glove treatment um and that's that that's how executive search at shortlist was was born um broadly today shortlist's mission is to build a better way to hire um, by combining technology, uh, data and a human touch um, to provide both executive search services. So executive search is really our core business, but also we've not let go of the other side of the business, which is youth employment programs across multiple markets in India and and Africa um so today as a partner within the executive search function and we, we've grown significantly so we have today five partners on the team across different regions i am based in nairobi and i generally look after executive search for the sub-saharan africa region and my mandate is to fulfill shortlist's mission in the context of sub-Saharan Africa um, and provide superior recruitment services. And I I use the term recruitment quite loosely because my focus is really senior executives across different industries, across different functions, across different verticals in in sub-Saharan Africa.
0: So, so uh, in this podcast, The Everyday Leader, we, we've spoken to a lot of different types of leaders uh, and I've worked with a lot of different types of leaders in my own career. So how do you go about assessing uh, such a senior level role and, and what type of leader based on maybe their leadership style and then obviously their experience and skills uh, to ensure that they will be a good fit uh, with the company and the team that you're uh, placing for?
1: Uh, that's that's a fantastic question, Chris. Um, so we do this in a number of ways, and I, I I think a lot of one of our key differentiators is that we don't only go in to assess for technical fit. So I could talk. Ad nauseum about how we assess for technical fit, but I'll I'll look to answer your specific question around how do we assess for leadership skills. I was I was looking online this morning and I saw that I think the, the number is 89% of, of leaders fail because they lack the requisite soft skills. And and um, one of the core soft skills there is, is leadership. So how we how we go about assessing for leadership is, is multifaceted. And the, the, the main purpose here is to collect a series of data points that correlate to each other. So one of the things we do is we always take all of our candidates through behavioral or competency-based interviews. So these are interviews that don't necessarily focus on the hypothetical question of what would you do if. It's more around, tell me about a time when. And we would contextualize these questions to leadership scenarios where we would be asking the candidates to explain how they have navigated challenging leadership situations in their past. Um, and that really helps us get under the hood of the car and really understand what the what the candidate has done as opposed to what they would do if. Um, Another way that we assess for leadership, and and this is one that I I, I treasure deeply, is is reference checks. Um, uh, in as much as the best the best predictor of future performance is 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 past relevant performance, and that's the premise upon which we base most of our assessments. So, with the competency based interviews, we are looking to. Um, unearth some of the learnings, um, some of the methodologies that the candidates have applied in the context of leadership. But we also conduct thorough reference checks. Um, And we would would do these on a a multi-tiered level. So we, we conduct references with people the individual has worked with um, at a peer level, people who have supervised this individual in the past, people who have reported directly into them, again, with a view of collecting data points around how does this person manage upwards? How does this person engage at peer level? And and what's their approach and style to leading people that are under their charge? I'll, 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 I'll pause there. There's, there's also the, the psychometric tests that we run on, on candidates, and we find that certain combinations using psychometric tests really can unearth the type of leader that, that, that an individual is. So, um, f- for example, if somebody is highly agreeable and low on result orientation, that is the recipe for disaster. If if somebody is very aggressive and also very high on results orientation, that's also a recipe for a disaster in its own way. Um, So a number of things in the psychometric tests and the kinds of permutations that make a great leader is something that we also use to to assess leadership.
0: Thanks so much for taking us through that. So it definitely sounds like there are certain red flags that you can uncover uh, during that, you know, uh, reference checks and psychometric assessments. But at the same time, there are also different types of leaders. uh, And that might also factor into what is the existing leadership team that that person is going to be joining? Because if this is a, like using your example, a sales director and the CEO and the COO, and the CFO, and others on the leadership team have certain personality traits or leadership styles, the person you need to then place as the sales director needs to be jiving well with the leadership team and fit in so that there's not necessarily clashing. Because you can bring in a great leader, but they might not be a good fit for that team. So do you also almost do some of these psychometric tests for the other leaders that they'll be collaborating with?
1: Um, Yes, there's there's been instances where obviously budgets permitting because psychometric tests do come at a pretty steep price, but budgets permitting um, and where the client actually understands the value of these psychometric assessments. We have had instances where we've done psychometric assessments for the entire leadership team and seen the kind of personality profile that would jive best with that leadership team. And in some instances, even done the psychometric um, assessments for the teams that would be directly reporting into this person as well, um, just so that you can see the kind of leadership style that that team is most most likely to be responsive to. Having having said that, there, there is a uniform sort of leadership profile that is balanced enough and that can generally fit themselves into any team that they're placed in. And that's really based on, on, on EQ. And I could go on and on about the subject of EQ. Um, but where one presents with high EQ, it's possible for them to, 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 to sort of adjust as appropriate, regardless of the, of the kind of um, team that they're, they're
0: placed in. That makes a lot of sense. So ideally, you found someone that is so great and so flexible that they're able to step into that situation, understand the dynamics within the team that they're managing and the team that they are collaborating with as peers and adjust and succeed in in even uh, somewhat difficult cases. So I imagine the process that you use uh, has great uh, success rates. But also probably there are a few cases where uh, even the thorough screening didn't result in a good fit. Uh, Can you speak a little bit more about maybe those cases and was that just because those leaders weren't resilient enough to adapt to that culture or are there other um, issues to be aware of when companies hire uh, in leaders uh, such as uh, the work that Shortlist is doing?
1: That's that's a great question. And I think I experienced this more in the past rather than in, in further in my past rather than in my recent past. But I, I can I can there's one thread across all hires in a senior leadership team where it doesn't work out. And I I, I, I use this this phrase um, that the, the fish rots from the head. So where you have a CEO um that has low eq or where you hire a ceo with low eq it's very difficult for the leadership team then to display the qualities of strong competent um empathetic leadership so a lot of the instances we 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 go in um and Most of the time, especially for C-level hires, the hiring manager will be the CEO. And once you're able to evaluate the CEO's style um, and and approach to leadership, then you're able to coach the candidates as well on what to expect. I am a strong believer, Chris, in, in the psychological contract. I think a lot of people can thrive in any environment, provided before joining that environment, they're well aware of what they're getting, they're getting into. Um, so I think it's a factor of many things, but I strongly believe that the person that sets the tone for leadership for their C-suite and their senior managers is really that person who's at the helm and how they approach um, leadership more broadly.
0: That's such a great point. It definitely starts from the top. Um, so I imagine it can be a difficult job to place if, if the CEO, uh, you can tell, is not in, in a great uh, headspace. Uh, so thank you for sharing all this great wisdom about uh, recruiting leaders into organizations. Now I want to get back to you as a leader. So can you tell us a bit more about what your role entails in terms of being a leader within the organization? You mentioned more about the function and and the types of activities to do. But in your current role as a partner, do you oversee a team? And what types of uh, big, bold bets do you lead uh, within Shortlist?
1: I I do oversee a team today. I oversee a team of seven um, across different levels of seniority and across different geographies. So we have three team members that are based out of India, out of different uh, locations in India. So Mumbai, um, Pune, uh, Goa, so completely not co-located even in India. And then I have a team of four in, in Kenya, who um, are generally based out of Nairobi and these individuals are at different levels of seniority so I have um, a few entry-level staff so for example our our youngest team member just finished university joined us as an intern um, very close to being confirmed as a full-time employee Um, and then we have another talent analyst who is maybe two years of work experience. We have talent consultants um, who maybe have more towards four to five years experience. We have principal consultants um, who have maybe uh, closer to five to six or seven years of experience. And then I have an associate partner um, who's, much more experienced across different industries, has been in recruiting for about five years now. So different levels of seniority, different geographical placement, um, and even with the Kenya team, because of the remote work, we are not co-located most of the time. Um, So that's that's broadly the team that I have oversight for.
0: And what types of... um leadership skills do you see yourself practicing regularly as you oversee that team and is there some kind of superpower that you've really honed in on that you get to use on a regular basis
1: i, I think about this question a lot and I, I i think my 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 core superpower and the thing that i i draw on consistently i'd say there's two things one is i lead with empathy um and this is something I learned early on in my career just when I was at Stanbeck and the fact that I was um I was I was put into this leadership position that I didn't necessarily think I was ready for um one of the things that I had to do in that space was really lead with empathy and have people um follow me not because I was exerting some kind of authority but follow me because they wanted to and because um, it was was a pleasure to work with me. And I think one of the things on our team and even within within the team structure, there's different individuals who lead more junior members of the team on a day-to-day basis. And one of our key mantras is leading with empathy. So we don't don't look at our employees um, as tools of trade. So the, the members of my team are not laptops that, you know, when, when the battery stops working, we throw them away. It's really about caring about the whole person. Um, we have every Wednesday, we have a one hour session, which is just a get to know you as a team um, where we have one person, it's on a rotational basis that leads a session that is just purely focused around, get to know you. Um, and we have ex- exercises and team building activities in that space. So that that sort of collaboration, um, trying to understand the individuals of a, on the team beyond their ability to contribute technically, but also trying to understand them as human beings, that's one thing that has worked exceptionally well for me. The, the, the second thing that's worked really well for me is being able to toggle seamlessly between strategy and operations. So yes, I am a partner at Shortlist. um, But Shortlist, in essence, I'd I'd call us a scale-up now. We used to be a startup, but now I'd say we are a scale-up. And um, one of the things in a scale-up or startup environment that is absolutely critical is not only being somebody who can sit at the helm and lead, but also being comfortable, rolling up your sleeves and doing the actual work. and that for me has been the, the biggest blessing for me is that I came into the industry at the lowest level. I learned from the ground up. So even my empathy is really drawn from the fact that I know the frustrations that a talent analyst goes through, for example. And I'm able to not only admonish where. The, the, the task has not been completed to a level of satisfaction, but I can also step in and show practically what good looks like so that balance between putting on my leadership hat and dealing with a lot of the strategic elements of my role as well as rolling up my sleeves getting into the trenches with the team and doing the work um, i think that's been exceptional um, for the team and and for me as a leader
0: Well, yeah, it definitely sounds like this kind of leading with empathy and then the ability to switch between strategy and operations is particularly well suited for the role that you're in at shortlist. I'd also be interested in hearing from you about some of the things that you still find challenging about leading people uh, within the company. Uh, Are there different areas that you are still actively developing yourself uh, as a manager?
1: yes i think there's there's a there's a number of things that i'm still developing as a manager um and i would say in as much as i find the team is 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 working really well together, collaborating effectively. And this is probably an external one. I'll, I'll, I'll speak to an internal one that's more within my control in a minute. But one of the main challenges that I've faced as a leader in this business is how do you retain really qualified staff that have options and and with today's world those options are not just options in the geography in which they're based these are global options for advancement how do i keep those people engaged motivated and in spite my best efforts i have lost great members of my team to to competition to clients um, so that for me is a day-to-day sort of question and challenge, and you know, there's the obvious responses around, you know, pay them well, re- reward and recognition, um, view them as a whole person, all of that good stuff. But in spite of my best efforts, it's, it's, I think it's just a part of, a part of being a leader and a part of being in a competitive market, which has been made much more competitive right now. Um, how do I, how do I retain my, my star, my star performers. Um, and, and, and maybe closely, closely linked to that is I, 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 I used to go into leadership as, you know, I'm, I, I've honed these skills for 13 plus years. Surely I know what I'm doing. And then you get team members that need you to adjust your leadership style. So for example, I'm leading three team members from from India right now. And cultures are different across different markets. And one size does not necessarily fit all Um, i tend to have a very hands-on approach to leadership so i enjoy the regular check-ins i enjoy being immersed in the work um, collaborating on different assignments but there's certain individuals on my team who prefer to be left alone who prefer a little bit more autonomous work how do i Lend my approach to those who enjoy being led in that way and also be able to fully delegate responsibility and authority to those who prefer a little bit more autonomy. So for me, it's been more around um, flexing my style depending on the individual rather than using sort of a blanket leadership style that works for me.
0: That's such a great reflection. And uh, I think that the one thing that stood out to me was that you are self-aware and that you're thinking about uh, these things and how to continually adjust and uh, be the kind of manager and leader that your different types of team members uh, need and, and expect. And I uh, completely agree that with uh, remote work, uh, you know, the, it's a global workforce and people are really rethinking the types of roles that they um are eligible for and and can pursue and i've always looked at it as you know yes we want to retain talent but everyone has their own career journey and no one stays with the same company forever but obviously the you know longer you can keep people and you can show them that there are ways to grow and in different ways within the company and having that open line of communication is always uh important and helpful yeah, and, and so you mentioned this this concept that, you know, it, it's almost a fully distributed workforce uh, that in, in the team that you're managing. Are there any um, uh, unique or uh, particularly helpful strategies or tools or tricks that uh, you and the team and, at Shortlist have used to really embrace this idea of remote work and other future of work trends?
1: Um, yeah, and I think I, 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 I do need to say that covid brought a, a ton of tragedy but I think it, it it transformed the workforce in a way that we would not have seen even in the next 10 to 20 years um I mean the, the whole idea of, of of working in an office, stems from hundreds of years ago in, during the Industrial Revolution where people left their homes to perform a fixed task on a factory floor um, between a specified period of time. And then when knowledge workers entered the workforce, that didn't change. We kept the same model um, with a fixed time, nine to five, um, fixed JD with clear responsibilities and cubicles that people needed to report into. And nothing really changed with the advent of technology until COVID. And obviously COVID has come with its own um, tragedies and downsides, and I'm, I'm, I'm not in any way trying to downplay those. But it's also come with... A need for businesses to, to to change so other than the, the 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 downside especially from a work perspective you know endless zoom calls um, loneliness um, days that bleed into evenings there's there's a lot that we still need to work on but for us and 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 for me specifically as a leader and for shortlist as an organization we've really embraced some of the things that COVID has changed about the workforce and um, the way we work, in that we have we have allowed our employees to. to to reap the the benefits of having agency over where they work, um, control over their their work and how they prioritize their responsibilities um, and flexibility to do that. So I think for, for us, some of the things that we front load and some of the things that we talk about on a regular basis, both, both within the organization as a whole during our town halls, but also within our individual teams that we lead is the need to trust your people. Um, I think there's, there's th- b- before there was always this thing of, if, if you're working from home, how do I know that you're working? but <laughs> Conversely, if you're working from the office, yeah, I can see you. You're seated at your desk. You've got your headphones in, but how do I really know that you're working? So I feel like our teams really feel trusted um, and we measure their performance, not on number of working hours clocked, but on outputs. And we, we, we really embrace data. So being highly data driven, giving people clarity on what needs to be delivered, and measuring their performance on the delivery of said tasks is it's 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 been invaluable for us. And I feel like um, I don't feel like I know that our performance, um, the teams. Um, ability to deliver against, against key requirements for clients, for candidates, has increased and improved dramatically post-COVID.
0: Yes, that's so true. And I think, uh, like you said, you know, COVID has been a tragedy, but it also has shaped um, how we approach work. And, and there's been some kind of silver linings ar- around uh, the trust that is built and the flexibility that that provides And you definitely captured uh, a lot of those trends and and how your team has uh, been really embracing it. So I really appreciate your time today, Maggie. It's been incredible hearing your reflections of your journey from a manager uh, at a bank to now uh, recruiting for top leaders and filling important roles at interesting organizations. And I look forward to continue to follow you on your journey. And I hope we can stay in touch.
1: Thank you so much Chris it was such a pleasure chatting with you today and um, yeah I hope we can keep in touch